ऑडियो हॉप पॉडकास्ट दिस इज द विस्की एडवाइजर शो ऑन दिस शो वी सैंपल सम फाइन विस्कीज शेयर इंटरेस्टिंग टेल्स एंड ट्रिविया एंड आंसर योर मोस्ट इंपॉर्टेंट क्वेश्चन अबाउट विस्की And now here's your host the whiskey advisor Uday Balaji Hello everyone welcome back to the whiskey advisor show with me is the whiskey rook Piyush whose whiskey knowledge is growing at quite a pace I hope yours is too my whiskey enthusiast listeners Hi Uday it's great to be back So Piyush if you remember mm-hmm. when we started talking about scotch whiskey which spoken about the scotch whiskey regions yeah why don't you remind our listeners what those regions are uh well let's see there's speyside of course uh highland uh lowland isla and uh, there's one more honestly i can't seem to remember that one okay well why don't we listen to this song mm-hmm. okay It's Campbellton. Spot on. So we really need to look at the history of Campbellton to truly appreciate where Springbank is today. Mm-hmm. We really need to go back to 1591, if I'm correct. to uh, find the first recorded reference to Campbellton although it's only three whiskey distilleries now it used to be the whiskey capital of the world oh so in the late 19th century there were 21 distilleries i believe and the biggest one was called hazelburn you know if you go there now it's literally at the end of the road you on the map if you see campbellton and glasgow are really not that far as the crow flies but by the time you get there you're quite naked but this wasn't the case back in the day because back then people weren't going there by road they were going through that wonderful natural harbor that campbellton had okay so that harbor was one of the main reasons that they were a big success apart from the harbor there was also island that was so close by and a lot of distilling knowledge came from that mm-hmm. now if you take all the raw materials that are needed for whiskey right so peat came from the hebrides through ship all the barley came from ireland so if you look at a map again just going back to that ireland and scotland are really really nearby so if you think about it the northeastern coast of ireland and the southwestern coast of scotland are just a few miles away from each other so barley just used to go across mm. from ireland to campbellton and there was a wonderful lock nearby to supply water and there was a mine nearby that supplied coal so you really had everything that any whiskey distillery could possibly need and also because there was such an active port there they could ship the whiskey all through the world how did it decline from such heights then you know sounds like they had everything going for them so they certainly did by the sounds of it but um, 
a bunch of things happened that led to the decline of uh, Campbellton. It was supposedly very poorly managed. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there was so much industrial activity going on and it happened so quickly that uh, the, you know, like the drainage systems and things in the city couldn't handle it. Uh. And, uh, you know, there's effluent going out all over the place. It's supposed to have become a bit of a cesspool of a place. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, the mine was closed. So that ready supply of fuel was gone. And across the world, what is happening, and you know, honestly, in the US market, there was a big demand for a lighter style of whiskey. Mm-hmm. So Campbellton is very famous for a very heavy, savory, Beated. you know, a uh, peter is one but more of a kind of like a very savory you know heavy whiskey mm-hmm. and this was not what the world wanted at the time so then what happened was they started to change the way they were making their whiskey the profits were really going low so they they started cutting corners and what happened when they start cutting corners eventually it catches up with you and distillery started closing left right and center There's a record in the 1920s that there was only one distillery left, which was a Reichlaken distillery. Okay. So eventually, only Springbank and Glen Scotia were left. And very recently, there was a possibility that Campbellton would lose its region status because of only two distilleries. Mm-hmm. This was perhaps saved by the fact that uh, Springbank revived the Glengyle distillery, which had been shut down many years ago. So that was really the history of how uh, Campbellton... rose to great heights and then completely crashed and now we all like to believe that Campbellton is coming back okay so what do you say we talk about Springbank for a little now let's do that so the distillery was started in 1825 by two brothers you know there's a lot of distilleries yeah. that have been started by a couple of brothers and this is one more so these brothers were Archibald and Hugh Mitchell remember the name Mitchell because This family still owns the distillery. Okay. And family is a very important thing when we talk about Springbank. So at the time, it was the 14th licensed distillery in Campbellton. And in 1834, Archibald's sons, John and William, took over the distillery, while Hugh's sons moved to the other side of town and started Reichlaken. You remember we spoke yeah. about it like a few minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. So then what happened was this John and William had a fallout. They were farmers and apparently had a dispute about cattle or sheep or something like that. And William left Springbank and went and started Glengyle just down the road. So when Springbank revived Glengyle, unfortunately, the Glengyle name wasn't available. So they went to the name Kilkeren. Okay, I mean, what was the reason it wasn't available? So the reason for it was so that after Glengyle shut down, uh the brand along with the stocks was sold to some people called the block brothers mm-hmm. and these block brothers sold the brand to glen scotia and now it belongs to locklomont okay uh so kilkeren is a very small operation when i visited last year they were doing about just 20000 liters a year so basically when people uh from springbank are free the workers they go to uh, kilkeren and do a little bit of distilling So, but that's for another day. Uh, Kilkeren, again, fantastic whiskey. We should dedicate an episode to that. So, you know, Uday, I remember you had mentioned earlier that they also make some brands other than Springbank. That's right. They do. Uh, they've revived a couple of uh, styles of whiskey that used to be there in um, Campbellton. Mm-hmm. 
So spring bank is a two and a half time distilled medium peated whiskey. Okay. So then what they did was in 1973, they revived a brand called Longro. Mm-hmm. And Longro had a reputation for double distilled heavily peated malts. Okay. So they added that to their repertoire. And then in 1997, you know how we talked about how Hazelburn is the biggest distillery in the 1920s, was it? Yeah, Campbellton. So their style was an unpeated, triple distilled whiskey. So, you know, they have quite a range of whiskies here. And Hazelburn is only one of two triple distilled whiskies that are regularly available on the market. Mm-hmm. Okay. So something that we should definitely mention when uh, we talk about Springbank is how that it's family run. And how it's still very traditional. So one of the things is, you know, they're not completely profit-minded. They're not only talking about efficiency. They're very, very people-oriented. You go to the distillery, you know, this sounds a little like management talk, but it's really the case. It's like literally family at the distillery. And it really shows. And another thing that we need to talk about is the traditional process where they do, they're the only distillery in Scotland that does 100% flow malting. Okay. Meaning they malt all their barley in-house via flow malt. And they have really long fermentation times, which gives them a very interesting fruity floral character, which we look at. And very old school equipment, you know. The stills are directly fired by coal. You know, we're talking about those coal mines. So directly fired by coal. And that also gives it an interesting character. No, that that sounds like a very old school whiskey then. It definitely is an old school whiskey. Why don't we get into the tasting? We hope you've enjoyed the episode so far. But before we go ahead, here's a word from our partner. Enjoying this podcast? You can also catch this and 200 plus such podcasts on Karva 2.0 with BBC India, Film Companion, Open Mic Poetry, Sadhguru Isha Foundation, Indian classical renditions by the greatest maestros, stories, rhymes, and GK for your kids. Oh, and did we mention the 5,000 preloaded songs and 100 plus unique playlists every day? To know more, go to www.saregama.com now. And we're back. Let's continue. Why don't you do the honors? Sure, Uday. Okay, so today we're going to be looking at the Springbank 10. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's start with the color. So it's about a deep gold. Yes, I'm getting somewhere between sherry and deep copper. Okay, the Amontillado sherry. Yeah, yeah it's a, okay. I guess we can just call it the Amontillado sherry uh, color then. How about uh, texture? Feels uh, medium. I'd actually say that it's quite viscous. It's yeah, more it towards is. oily. Yeah, you know, yeah. look at how... Yeah. So, some of the drops will come down really quickly, but you see the drops that yes. are still forming at the top. Yeah, yeah. That's what tells you the real story in that. So, it's very viscous. Yeah. Let's get into the nose. What are you getting? Like you mentioned, it is very fruity. Hmm. Uh, somehow, I'm getting a green apple. Okay. A bit of toffee chocolate, mm. a bit of smoke, a very little Definitely. smoke, mm. 
and some some traces of honey. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's about it for me. Let's check out the palate. Okay, uh, apart from fruity, uh, on the palate it's a bit woody. Hmm. Yeah. How about the mouthfeel? It was mouthful. Hmm. Uh, and uh, the finish was for me. It was short. Okay. And uh, slightly sweet aftertaste. Okay. Hmm. This is probably one of the tastings that differ a little bit. It's probably also because this is more of a bit of an acquired taste kind of whiskey. This is definitely for someone who's been drinking whiskey for a little bit. And even after that, not everybody likes Springbank. But when you love Springbank, you love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just take you through this again a little bit. I'll give you some notes mm-hmm. that uh, we'll see if you can get these notes now. So on the nose, mm-hmm. what I get is there's a saltiness. It's kind of savory. There's a little bit of a grapefruit sourness. Also, kind of like a oily coconut shavings mixed with smoke. In fact, those coconut shavings something somebody told me and now I can't get it out of my head. And on the palate, the first thing that hits me on the palate is the salt. There's a salt and the brininess with that wafting smoke. And then after that, I get kind of like a ripe pear, like an overripe fruit. Mm-hmm. That's what really comes. You know, it's, it's got, so what they say about Springbank, it's got that funky character. Mm-hmm. I think it's got kind of like a very savory, mouth-watering kind of character. And that flavor really, really appeals to a lot of these Springbank cult. Okay. Okay. There's kind of like a sweetness also that comes through, yeah, you know. Yeah. And a little bit of pepper. Is that fermentation is giving you all these funky, fruity flavors. Yeah. The the elongated fermentation mm-hmm. which you mentioned mm-hmm. during the episode. Yeah. So in conclusion, I'd say the nose would be salty, savory, kind of a grapefruit sourness and a coconut shavings and definitely a wispy smoke all around. The palate, savory again, very mouth-watering briny kind of on fudgy sweetness and pepper again with that very i can't get away from that whole kind of ripe pear overripe fruit profile this definitely goes into the fruity and spicy flavor camp okay so now on to the whiskey range uh it's fairly simple we'll go through all three uh whiskey brands uh springbank has the 10 the 12 cask strength 15 18 and 21 so Longro has a Longro Peated, which is just a non-age statement whiskey. The Longro Red, which comes out every year in a red wine cask finish, as well as the Longro 18 and the recently released 21. I had a cask strength version of the 21 at uh, Whiskey Live Paris. And uh, finally, Hazelburn. The Hazelburn 10 is what's normally available. And uh, at least the website has uh, the 13-year-old Sherry Wood listed which was released in 2017 but i can't seem to find it anywhere online so what would i recommend now that's a really 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 tough question because they're all sensational whiskies um if you've had the springbank 10 then the next step for me uh would be the springbank 12 cask strength uh, and long row basically any expression that you can find you know the toughest thing with these whiskies is they're very hard to find so that said, Uday, you know, it was an interesting chat about the history and the, you know, entire evolution of Springbank and Campbellton. 
I can totally say that, you know, it was justified by the taste though. So, shall we get into the Q&A now? Yeah, let's do it. The first question is from Jomon Johnson, aka Jomonjo17. And his question is, in bourbon, do we germinate the corn like we malt barley? Or just the enzymes of malted barley help in the making? That's a good question, Jomon. Uh, so, we don't germinate or malt the corn because it's very hard. Uh, so what happens is the corn is cooked and then after that, the malted barley is added to that mash for the enzymes to act and break down the starch. Yeah. Uh, and the next question is from the barrel story. And his question is, what is your favorite Isla distillery and why? <laughs> wow, uh, that's a really, really tough question. Uh, each of the distilleries on Isla are all exceptional, you know, in their own ways. Um but I'll stick to some of the peated uh, whiskey makers, the major peated whiskey distilleries. Uh, I think it'll come down for me between probably Lafroy, Lagavulin and Artbeg. Um, and I would have to pick Lagavulin just because of that 16, which is so widely available. And it's just a fantastic whiskey that everybody should have. Uh, so I would have to go with Lagavulin. But that's a tough question. Next one is from Ishank Gautam. How old must the best scotch whiskey be? Ishank, the thing is, there's a lot of people who get caught up with age, you know, saying the older the whiskey, the better. But the honest answer is each uh, spirit has its kind of sweet spot in terms of age. You know, some may, may need to be uh, aged for a couple of decades. Maybe some just need 10 years. You know, in fact, a lot of the 15-year-old, 16-year-old whiskeys there, uh, that sweet spot for the distilleries. Uh, so what I would say is, you know, don't get too caught, caught up with the age. Um, read up online and look for what flavor profiles you would like and how people are rating it. And the last question is from Ameya Banushali, aka Dr. Quick. And his question is, thoughts on virgin oak being used to mature whiskey now as compared to the past edition? So, uh, folks, the past edition that he's referring to is uh, that typically, um, particularly Scotch and Irish whiskies and uh, similar ones, are matured in barrels that previously had bourbon. Virgin oak casks would be casks that are completely new and uh, they'll have a lot more flavor. Um, so, Ameya, the thing is, there aren't a whole lot of releases out there that are fully matured in virgin oak. It's a very fine balance that the distiller or blender must strike um, to ensure that he gets the maximum flavor but without overpowering the liquid because it is new oak and it's packed with flavor. However, if it's being used by uh, the blender, you know, as one of the components to give a more spicy tannic profile, then he lays that accordingly. The key is because it gives so much flavor in a short time, the blender needs to keep on checking the cars often to make sure that the spirit isn't getting overworked. Yeah. All right, folks, that's it for our episode on Campbellton and Springbank. In next week's episode, we'll be traveling back to Speyside to visit the sister distillery of Glenfiddich, the Balvenie. In the meantime, please send in your questions and comments via email, Instagram or Facebook and we'll answer as many as we can. All our handles are at the end of the show. Till then, drink well and drink responsibly. Cheers. Cheers. If you want to learn more about whiskey and Uday's work, 
visit thewhiskeyadvisor.com. You can send in your questions to us on uday at thewhiskeyadvisor.com or Instagram or Facebook at thewhiskeyadvisor. That's whiskey without the e. This show was brought to you by Audio Hop Podcasts. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter at Audio Hop Podcasts. We'll be back next week. Until then, keep your spirits up and drink responsibly.